Lord is good, isn't he? We have a wonderful Jesus. He's so wonderful. And uh, there is nobody like the Lord Jesus, is there? And uh, this Easter time, um, my wife and I and a few of us have been dwelling on all the things that happened from the house of Bethany with Martha, Mary and Lazarus until Jesus was in Gethsemane, as we've heard. And then he was at the trial. And then he was uh, scourged and a crown of thorns put on him. And then he was crucified. And then he was taken down and embalmed and put in a tomb with six stone of embalmment. And on the third day, (laughs) he rose again. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful? We have a wonderful... Lord Jesus, we just have to keep looking at him and keep considering him because the the more we look at him, the more we'll be changed because he is is everything that we need. Everything that you need is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the 66 books in here, the central figure is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's in Genesis. (laughs) He's in Exodus. He's in Numbers. He walks through the whole book. And wherever you look, you have to see Jesus. It's history, yes, but it's more than that. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the person that when we come to this word, who do we see? We want to see Jesus. And, you know, as I looked at Gethsemane, as our brother said, Gethsemane was the crucial place where Satan did everything to try and stop Jesus going to the the cross. Once Jesus had gone past Gethsemane, he was then bound to the authorities. But let's be quite clear about it. Jesus had to lay down his life. I think those of you in Basildon know what I spoke on. Jesus had so much power. There was so much glory on the humanity of Jesus that no man could take him. They tried to take Jesus many, many times. But he only had to say two words, I am, and then they were stopped dead in their tracks. Jesus is so powerful in his humanity. Well, how powerful is Jesus now that he's risen He's ascended and glorified. Jesus has got all power in heaven and earth and under the earth. And we have to not look at the circumstances, but look at Jesus. Because when we look at him and see him in his power and glory, then everything changes. You know, a lot of people have got an historical Jesus, but we want a living Jesus. He's alive. And he's alive forevermore. And he's coming back. And we're part of this wonderful company of people, the saints. Are you one of the saints? (laughs) Are you being quickened or are you stiffened? (laughs) Religion stiffens you, but Jesus quickens you. And we want to be quickened this morning out of religion into life. You know, an old preacher said, no feasting. No Christianity, and he's right. We're here to feast on the Lamb. 
We're here to feast on him. He is the bread of life. He is the water of life. He is the I am for everything that you need this morning. It's all on the table. We, we keep this table, this breaking of bread. And, you know, Luther said, you know, Luther, I've got a great big book at home. My son gave me by Luther on this, on the Eucharist, as they call it. We call it the breaking of bread. But, you know, I can't get over this feast of the Passover that Jesus conducted. He only conducted it once in his ministry, three years. And he did it because he was the lamb. Jesus was that lamb. And you know, when you consider uh, the house of Bethany, and it's funny how when you look at the word of God and everything starts, you see one level of truth and then you see another layer of gold and then you see another layer of truth and suddenly everything seems to explode in your spirit so that suddenly you begin to see Christ in all his glory and his power. And somehow we've got to see Jesus like that. It's not about us, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? And when we start to glorify him and start to worship him and start to lift up our hands to him, everything begins to change. You stop being, as we said, a scratching end down here, worrying about this, that and the other, and moaning about this and the other, and you start ascending and getting up into those heavenly places, and everything looks different when you start sitting with Jesus. And this is the problem for us, isn't it? We have to get heavenly minded. We have to get spiritually minded. And you can only do that through the word of God. The word of God is Christ speaking to us. I make a statement, I always say this, we must never depersonalize the word of God. It is the living word of God. It is Christ, the word, the bread. And you know, you can read this word and you can know it, but it needs the Holy Spirit to come and break this bread. And when it's broken to us, it becomes food to us. And that food feeds your inner man. The outer casing I'm looking at is not you. It's the new man that's in you. And that's Christ in you. And that's the man you need to feed Because if you can feed that inner man, your outer man will be fine. It will be strong. It will be healthy. So it's the life that's coming from Christ going into you and out of you. Out of your innermost being, Jesus said, shall flow rivers of living water. We need this living water. As we've heard, this river. There is rivers to swim in. But people are scratching around and paddling like kids. You need to jump in and get, get swimming in this. Just get lost in it. Just get worshipping God and start worrying about all this. Jesus said, just seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and everything else just comes in. It's just added. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? It's a wonderful thing. When Jesus comes, everything changes. Everything changes when Jesus comes to the house. (laughs) And this is what had got to happen to us. You know, Lazarus and Martha and Mary, they were a pretty illustrious household before Jesus came there. Mary had quite a, quite, was into quite a business. 
She was what we call a lady of the town. (laughs) And Lazarus. You know, it's a strange thing how everything in the word of God has got a meaning. Everything's got a meaning. Put my glasses on to read my writing. I can read the Bible, but not my writing. Um, Martha means a bitterness. Mary means wished for. And Lazarus, one, means somebody in need. (laughs) You know, some houses have got people in need. Some people have become embittered by life. Have you met a lot of people embittered in life? Things happen to them. And it's pretty shocking, like it's happened to this family here in uh, abroad there, you know. And the enemy wants to pile on the agony. And he wants to say, is this what God's allowed in your life? But you know, Jesus has come to make the bitter sweet. He has. He's come to make your, take away your bitterness and give you sweetness. He's come to Lazarus who needs help. And Mary, she'd always wished for everything. And she'd made it her life to get what she wanted. And she got it her way. Because when she poured that alabaster box upon Jesus, it was one year's wages. 25,000 pounds worth, we'd say today went on the body of Jesus. But you know, Jesus changed that whole household. He changed it. Bethany means the house of depression, the house of poverty. Well, what has Jesus come to do? He's come to set the captives free. He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. And if Jesus comes to my house and your house, it's different. When the power of God hit me, I was a changed man. (laughs) I was, uh, I'm always referring to this, Sister Anne and her daughter Catherine. I was in that meeting when the power of God hit the meeting. And you know, we need the power of God to hit the meeting. (laughs) We need the glory of God to invade our lives. But you know, we've got to be activating it. We've got to be doing something. We've got to be lifting up our souls and our hearts in worship and praise and adoration. And you know, I was thinking how wonderful, how wonderful that this, that Jesus changed. Well, Lazarus died and and he's one of these people who had a resurrection. (laughs) He had a resurrection and Mary's life was completely changed. And wherever we preach the gospel now, we talk about Mary don't we? Because of a love and adoration for the Lord. And I was thinking, how wonderful is Jesus? But here is Jesus, and I can't get over his devotion. And, to his, to, and, he, and this is the words that the Lord gave me to give you. And it's in John 12. And it's in 23. And Jesus answered them and said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Let's think about this. Jesus knew expressly what was going to happen to him. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he knew to pay the price to deliver us from the thraldom of sin and death and hell, he would have to give himself. He would have to become that lamb of God. 
Remember when John the Baptist looked at someone coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Every Israelite knew what it meant, that statement, the Lamb of God. Because in Exodus 12, there was given the institution of the Passover. And the lamb had to be slain. They knew in the wilderness, in the, in the tabernacle of the wilderness, the lamb was slain morning and night. And so Jesus knew what he was facing. And yet he made this state, the son of man should be glorified. He said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. For he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it. And then it, this is the big statement. If any man serve me, there's the secret about your life and my life. If any man serve the Lord Jesus Christ. A great preacher in the last century said this. He said, if a believer can learn to serve God in whatever capacity, 50% of his problems are over. And I agree with him. You know, if you're in this place and you're in the oasis, and if you can sweep the floor, do it. If you need the toilets cleaning, clean them. You're serving the Lord, aren't you? If God tells you to give something, you give it. You're serving the Lord. And you know what Jesus said? Let, if any man serve me, let him follow me. That, and this is the big statement, that where I am, the servant who serves the Lord Jesus, he says that where I am, there shall also my servant be. Well, I want to be where, where the Lord is. Do you? I want to be where Jesus is. Because it then says... If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Well, there's one thing you need on your life, and one thing I need on my life, and that's the Father God's honor. Oh, yeah. Jesus sees whether you're a true believer or just a a make-believer. He sees exactly what you're like. Doesn't he? (laughs) He knows exactly what you're like. <clears throat> and, and sorry, I have to drink some water. And I believe, you know, this is the test. It's your heart and my heart. Just think about it. Twelve disciples, and one of them all the time was there for his own ends. One of them. He was uh, there for the, the money, wasn't he? And Jesus knew all the whole time. Now, Jesus didn't need Judas to betray him to go to the cross. Let's be clear about this. Jesus was going to lay down his life whether it was Judas or not. Didn't he? He didn't have to have Judas to betray him. He was going to lay down his life. But there are people that are sitting in the congregation they are there for their own ends, not to serve God, but what they can get out of it. But true worshippers serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not in this for what I can get out of it. I'm in this to serve him. And when you serve God and serve the Lord Jesus Christ and he honors you, I can tell you, you'll never lack anything. You will never lack a thing because you've got the honor of God Almighty on your side. And if you've got God on your side, you've got all the angels on your side. You've got the Lord of hosts on your side. And if God be for you, who in the world can be against you? You're more than a conqueror. You're a victor. 
whatever comes against you, and when the enemy comes against you like he came against us this weekend and tried to stop me being here this morning, he tried everything, and I said to the devil, well, I'm walking on the water whether I can feel it or not. I'm going in faith, and you just step out in faith. And when you step out with Jesus, you can walk on water, as it were, spiritually speaking. When you don't feel you can do it, you get something from on high. It's an anointing. It's strength. It's power. It's an enablement that you don't have. Why? Because you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says that where I am, that you will be with where I am. Well, where is Jesus? Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne on high. And Ephesians tells me that I'm sitting with him. You might be sitting here, but really, if we're true worshippers, we're sitting up there in Hebrews 12. We've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. That's where I'm sitting. And when I sit up there and I get ministered to by my great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, I get life. I get health. I get blessing. I get prosperity. Everything comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's got all power. He's inherited all things. He's earned that place through what he did in Gethsemane. Do you know they say that in Gethsemane, that suffering of Christ was horrific. They say that what happened when the trauma of what he went through, his upper layer of skin separated from his lower and the sweat came through his pores and the blood came out and it congealed and it dropped like big drops of congealed blood. The suffering, the agony that Jesus was in in Gethsemane was horrendous. And the disciples looked at Jesus and they said, we've never seen this before. This is not the Jesus we know. He's walked on water. He's still storms. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. He's done all these things. And what is happening to Jesus? And they were completely stressed out. And when Jesus said to him, you watch and pray, they couldn't do it. The, the circumstances of what they were looking at completely phased them out. Do you know... Sometimes in our walk of faith, we don't know what's going on. But you just keep walking by faith. They did not understand what was happening, did they? And sometimes in your walk of faith, you don't understand what's happening. I don't think that Abraham understood when God told him to take Isaac up Moriah. Wigglesworth always says, um, Abraham did not tell Sarah what was about to happen. And I don't believe he did. And you know, those disciples were on a journey, and that journey of faith was beginning to get clearer and clearer. They all fled when they came and took him. They all fled when he was bound and was taken to the court. They all left. But there's one disciple, this John, who's got something special about this John, the apostle. I'd like to be like John, the apostle. No matter what happens, 
He was right there. He heard everything that was going on. He was at the cross. And I was thinking, help me to stay, keep looking at Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about a person. Because if you can serve him, you'll be where he is. And your father, his father, my father God will honor me. Well, that's the place to be for you and me. That is the place. Wake up in the morning and say, I'm a child of God. I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir. I've got a heavenly father. I've got the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we lift up our hands and we begin to worship and thank God, we will then enter into a new life in the spirit. And what happens and you will come to this word and the Holy Spirit will open this word to you and it will become a living word. It suddenly will start to feed you and you will feel different because you're seeing something you never saw before. And you know, they moved. I was thinking, Jesus went through that and paid it in full. Look, if something's paid in full, and it is, that means you can have everything that's on the table. If Jesus has paid in full everything for your salvation, well, don't you think that that's available to you? But the enemy will tell you, you can't have that. But you can because Jesus has paid in full. It's all, to get, it's all to do with how well and how well you're serving the Lord. Are you a Judas sitting there or are you a John? And you know it's, it's true, I think, to say that at that feast in, in, in John 13, before the feast of the Passover, G- Jesus said, knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world to his father, having loved his own, the supper being ended, they say that Judas was sitting on one side of him and John the Apostle on the other. The betrayer was sitting right next to him and John the other side. And I was thinking, do you know it's very subtle the enemy can get into people's lives? He can talk to you like he must have talked to Judas that he could be an apostle of the Lamb and that money could, and he really thought, if I, he, 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 he never thought Judas, never thought that they could take Jesus. They never, he never do it, dreamt that they'd be able to arrest him. He'd seen it so many times, and they couldn't take, he didn't understand what was going on. See, the religious man doesn't get it. Religion, Jesus said, is like leaven. And Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. It's subtle, it's evasive, and it gets into your spirit where you think, well, I know this and I know that and I've done this and I've done that. No, no, it's nothing about that. This is a life. The just live by faith. And faith comes by hearing Jesus minister, the word being ministered to me by my great high priest. And as this word, this preceding word comes, faith is continually coming. And as that faith comes, and I believe it, and I confess it, and I can see then what's happening. And Judas missed it completely. And he repented too late, didn't he? 
He couldn't go back. Why? Because what had got hold of him was this, and how many children of God have I seen lose it for this, that, or the other? But we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep looking at him, the author and the finisher of our faith. And you know, as I read this, it says, in the supper and i thinking, it then goes on to say, we talk about serving. Jesus said, any man serve me. Well, Jesus gives us a demonstration in the Passover meal what it means to be a servant. Yeah, he gives us a demonstration. He, t- he goes and he gets a towel and he takes his coat off and he starts to wash the disciples' feet. Yeah. Wash the disciples' feet. He's given us a lesson in service. That we're not called to be lords at the front. We're called to serve one another. So if Sister Stella's in need, it's my job to serve her, to help her in her need. That's what believers is a body of believers is about. And if Sister Anne's in need, it's my job to serve her. And no wonder Jesus says to us, said to those disciples, watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. Because if you're not watching and praying, you will enter into temptation and you will fall to something stupid. Why? Because I need to watch and pray and you need to watch and pray because there's brothers and sisters in it who don't know what the enemy is going to throw at them. And if you're watching and praying, you can be there to watch and pray to bring them through whatever they got to go through. And that's what those disciples should have been doing in Gethsemane, was standing with Jesus to support him. But no, they couldn't do it. They couldn't see what was happening. And it says angels came and strengthened him. Do you know the enemy put all that pressure on him? If it's at all possible, let this cup pass from me. That's what Jesus did for me, and he did for you. But do you know, I can't get over how Jesus not only positively obeyed all righteousness in living, like, like that brother read that in Hebrews, not only his life, he stood the contradiction of sinners, the rejection of the Jews, the betrayal of Judas, the, the, how all his disciples fled and he was left alone. Jesus suffered all that for us. He suffered the whole thing for you and me. And I was thinking, that's what Jesus has done. When I am faced now with a test and a trial, and you're faced with a test and a trial, are you going to look at Jesus and see how he came through? Because if he came through and you're in Christ, you're going to come through. But you've got to watch and pray. You've got to be a servant. You've got to serve the Lord. And you've got to start washing people's feet. Not like the three sisters in the church who say, we want to grow spiritually, and so we're going to pray together and confess our faults one to another. And so these three sisters got together, and they said, we want to grow spiritually, we're going to confess our faults, and the one said, well, what's your fault? Well, I eat too much chocolate. Every time I see a, a sweet shop, I want to go and eat chocolate. 
And the other one said, well, I've I got a thing about clothes. Every time I go to a clothes shop, I just can't resist buying these clothes. And I've got all these clothes everywhere, and I've got no wardrobes to put them in. So they asked the third sister, what's your weakness? And she said, I don't think I want to tell you. Well, they said, we've given our weakness. Now you tell us your weakness. And she said, well, I, I'm a gossip. And she said, I can't wait to leave you to tell the others what your weaknesses are. Well, that's not Christianity. That is not Christianity. We're supposed to wash one another's feet. Not take the dirty washing and show it to everybody. We're supposed to wash one another's feet, aren't we? We're supposed to pray for one another and love one another. And so Jesus is giving us... You know, there's some people I, I think... In my mind, they're write-offs. I think those people don't deserve any feet washing. But it's not for me to to discern what's right and what's wrong. It's Jesus, isn't it? Isn't it? Jesus knows whether I should wash somebody's feet or not. (laughs) And, And I know that these lessons for us are important. And this is what Jesus said, You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. And verily I say to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy shall you be. And I was thinking, it's so simple, isn't it? It's just having a servant's heart, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful that we can serve the Lord Jesus this morning? That we've come to serve him and do whatever we can. Do whatever you can. And if you want to pray for somebody, you pray for them. If the Lord tells you to give them something, do it. Why? Because we are servants. But some people want to be the... (laughs) They want to be the Lord. No, there's only one Lord. It's Jesus, isn't it? And so I'm so thankful to the Lord today that we're together to worship him. Jesus is a wonderful person, isn't he? It's all about him. I tell you, he is a wonderful person that he could face Gethsemane. He could face the trial, the scourging, the cross. And there he is in the resurrection. You know, Peter, and there's another, the other the scripture I wanted to give to you is in John 21. And this is, after these things, Jesus showed himself to the disciples, and they were together with Simon Peter, etc. And Simon Peter said to the other disciples, I'm going fishing. And they said, we go with thee. And they went forth and entered the ship, and of course they caught nothing. But when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. It's a strange thing, isn't it? That these disciples have been with him three and a half years. They'd seen all these things happen. He'd appeared to them before this. And yet they went fishing. Do you know the devil will tempt you to stop serving God? Peter now was at a crossroads. 
and you come to crossroads and I come to crossroads and, and you'll say, oh, nobody appreciates me. Nobody pats me on the back. And I've done this and nobody said a good word to me. Nobody thanks me. And all I hear is a lot of grumbling and moaning. Well, it's not about, it's not about what other people think. It's about what Jesus thinks. <laughs> and who are you serving? <laughs> is it Jesus? <laughs> or are you looking for the applaud? You know, in some of our group, we've got some that go to a, a big Church of England church. <laughs> and evidently, all these church wardens this last week said, the five of them said, we, we want to pack up. We've had enough. We've had no appreciation. So they're looking for five new church wardens to turn the lights on and open the doors and all the rest of it. You know, some people are looking for applaud. No. If you serve Jesus and you get the honor that comes from him, there's the secret, isn't it? It's not about getting honor from anybody else. It's getting his honor. So I do it unto the Lord. Do you? We serve a great and wonderful Jesus. He's a great high priest. So I am in the business of just looking at Jesus. Are you? Keep looking at Jesus, and whatever happens in your life, he's going to bring you through. Because as you feed that inner man, and of course Jesus comes here, and, he, and he's on the beach, and, uh, and this is what Jesus says to Simon, doesn't he? He says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, <laughs> feed my sheep. And if God tells me to give the word of God to somebody, I've got to feed them, <laughs> The word of God, <laughs> isn't it? I've got to do it. Whatsoever he says to me, just do it. <laughs> and that's what we're here to do. We're here to serve him. We're not looking for applause from men. You know, Brother Yan, that Chinaman who got brutally beaten up and put in prison by the Chinese, he now came to the West. He said when he came to the West and he used to go around preaching, everybody used to applaud him, he said. And it wonderful, you know. And he said the danger was greater than the persecution that was in the Chinese prison. All these people patting him on the back. <laughs> you know, we've got to keep humble. We've got to keep low at the feet of Jesus, haven't we? We've got to keep serving him. And as we serve him, God our Father will honor us. You know, it's that all-important scripture, John five forty four. How can you believe, he says, if you receive honor from men but not honor from your Father in heaven. Jesus received the honor from his Father in heaven. You know, in that John, John 12, it says, a voice came from heaven and said, I will glorify it and I will glorify it again. Is your faith, is your life, is my life glorifying Jesus? Is it all about you? <laughs> because if it's me, myself, and I, it doesn't glorify Jesus. But if it's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, it glorifies Jesus. So isn't it wonderful? The Lord is good, isn't he? Will you spend your days serving the Lord Jesus Christ? He's the only one, isn't he? He is the main one. He's the one we want to love and worship and honor. So we'll give him all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Praise God. I think I've spoken long enough. <laughs> God is good, isn't he? Isn't he a good, wonderful Jesus? So whatever need you have this morning, lift your hand up if you've got a need this morning. Raise your hand to the Lord. Jesus has got all power. Come on. 
He's got all power in heaven and earth. Jesus knows everything about you. It's all putting your faith in this person, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you for giving us Jesus, who has paid for a full redemption. And Lord, whatever the need is of our hands, as we raise them to us, whether it's physical, emotional, whether it's whatever the need is, Lord, you promise to supply all our needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We pray, Lord, that your anointing and your blessing shall rest upon this place and that your people will enjoy your presence. They will feast upon you, Lord, and that every need will be met. In Jesus' name, amen.